0: Outbeat Radio on KRCB Windsor Santa Rosa, a program that focuses on issues by, for, and about members of the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, queer, and questioning communities. You can hear Outbeat Radio every Sunday night at 8 p.m.
1: This is Living Proof, and we're your hosts. I'm Dr. Diana Grayer, and next to me is my co host and wife, Sheridan Gold. Tonight, our guest is Zoe Lewis. Affectionately known as a band in a body, Zoe Lewis plays vintage
0: jazz and worldbeat grooves on anything from the piano to the spoons. Originally from the UK, Zoe has called Provincetown her home for the last 30 years. She's traveled to over 70 countries, picking up musical grooves and stories along the way. She's released 10 albums of original material. She's toured with the Indigo Girls, Judy Collins, Richie Havens, Nancy Griffiths, and has even opened for Pat Benatar on the ukulele.
1: Her songs have won numerous accolades, have appeared in films, on Broadway, in commercials, and most recently on the kids' Netflix show Storybots. She's written three musicals and performs for Olivia Cruises every winter in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Wow. Hello Zoe.
2: Hello. It's lovely to be here and I'm very excited because uh, I'm coming out west and I'm going to be performing in Kotati at Nashalom December the 3rd in Kotati.
0: That's right. And we are going to talk to you about that tour. We're really looking forward to learning about your life and your music, what you've been up to since our last interview in 2017 and <laughs> your upcoming tour to Cotati, California, all that. We are looking so forward to talking to you, Zoe, about that.
1: But first here's news and events with OutBeat member and our engineer, Greg Moralia.
3: I love to change the world. But I don't know what to do.
4: This is Greg Moralia with your Alpi Radio News for the week of November 5th, 2023. The Christian anti-LGBTQ Plus legal advocacy group Alliance Defending Freedom, or ADF, which is defined as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center, is hoping that the U.S. Supreme Court will overturn state bans on so-called conversion therapy for minors. Though the court hasn't agreed to take their case yet, it did provide insight on how ADF plans on challenging more conversion therapy bans in the future. The ADF is providing legal counsel to a licensed family marriage therapist, Brian Tingley, in a case Tingley v. Ferguson, which is a legal challenge to the state of Washington's ban on conversion therapy. Tingley says the ban violates his rights to free speech and free exercise of religion. Tingley's petition to the court said that his speech as a therapist should be considered speech and not professional conduct. He said he lives in continuous fear of government persecution. Georgia State University law professor Anthony Kreese said that bans on conversion therapy aren't trying to force tingly or other therapists to say anything they don't want to. Rather, he reasons that state bans are trying to prevent medical conduct from resulting in tangible harm. A 2013 survey showed that 84% of former patients who tried ex-gay therapy said it inflicted lasting shame and emotional harm. And in March 2022, a peer-reviewed study from the Trevor Project showed that 13% of LGBTQ youth nationwide had reported being subjected to conversion therapy. And of that, 83% were subject to it before reaching the age of 18. 29 states have either passed full or partial bans on conversion therapy for minors. In three of those states, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida, court injunctions have stopped the bans from going into effect while legal challenges to the bans proceed. As Republican-led legislatures have limited or banned access to gender-affirming care for transgender people across the country, states like New Mexico are witnessing a large influx of, quote, gender refugees who are seeking health care. Over the past two years, nearly two dozen states have instituted limits or bans on gender-affirming health care for transgender youth and adults. And while trans people in red states seek out alternative sources and care and places to live, for that matter, larger states and metropolitan areas like San Francisco and New York are simply too expensive to live. So smaller states like New Mexico, Minnesota, Colorado, Vermont, and the state of Washington, all with prohibitions on restricting gender-affirming health care and a lower cost of living, are attracting a crush of trans patients seeking care. The strain is affecting new patients and longtime New Mexico residents as well. Anne Withrow, a 73-year-old transgender woman and Albuquerque resident for over 50 years, sought care from a new provider at the University of New Mexico after her doctor retired. Withrow said she was told there was a waiting list, and a year later, she's still on that waiting list. According to a 2022 report, the state of New Mexico also reported a staggering loss of 30% of its physicians in the previous four years. The state is currently on track to have the second largest physician shortage in the country by the year 2030. And here locally, with monkeypox cases continuing to rise in the Bay Area and statewide, the California Department of Health is encouraging all people, especially gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men, to get fully vaccinated if they haven't already done so. The increase in recent weeks has been precipitous. According to the Bay Area Reporter, on October 13th, there had only been one case reported in San Francisco, but as of October 31st, there have been 20 reported cases the most of any month this year. Dr. Thomas Aragon, the state's public health director, said, We're beginning to see an uptick in monkeypox cases across the state. With this, we're reminding all and encouraging all Californians to be aware of the signs and symptoms of monkeypox and to take preventative measures. The common symptoms of monkeypox include a skin rash or mucosal lesions, which can last two to four weeks accompanied by a fever, headache, muscle aches, back pain, low energy and swollen lymph nodes. The vaccine for monkeypox includes two doses, which are given about a month apart. The San Francisco Department of Health did issue a statement earlier this month saying, quote, no vaccine is 100% effective and people who have been vaccinated may still get monkeypox, but vaccinations may decrease illness severity and reduce the risk of hospitalization. For Outbeat Radio News, I'm Greg Moralia.
0: And if you just joined us, we are talking with Zoe Lewis, affectionately known as a band in a body. Zoe, we really want to thank you for giving us a little time from your very, very busy schedule.
2: Oh yeah. I'm so happy to be chatting to you.
0: Yeah, we're happy to be chatting to you too. We we're wondering, what is a band in a body? What do you what does that mean actually? Explain that.
2: Okay, well, you know. I was coined that many years ago, and it's because I play so many instruments. I studied the piano when I was little, and that's my main instrument that I know how to um, play. I mean, you can spend your whole life, you know, learning, of course. But, you know, I, I did classical when I was little, but I was always trying to learn jazz. Um, but I picked up anything. I would sit behind the garden shed and play the flower pots with um, bamboo canes. Um, I. When traveling, and you know, you mentioned in the intro that I've been to seventy countries. You know, I can't. When I left England, I, I had the wanderlust, and I couldn't stop traveling. And you know, you can't travel with your piano for a start. I'm not that butch, so I went to. <laughs> I picked up the guitar. I jumped freight trains, and I on the West Coast, I, I jumped freight trains and went all up and down the West Coast. That's where I learned to play the uh, harmonica hanging off a train, I picked up the ukulele and of course in Latin countries or any third world countries, I mean people make music out of anything, it was back to the flower pots, you know you can make music out of a garbage can lid, you can make it out of calabash, things that grow from trees, you just get sand and put it in a tin and you've got an amazing percussion instrument and I remember in Africa I sat on a beach Someone had a guitar, but they didn't have any strings and they just tied the strings every time one broke. So the style there is you had to jump the knots on the fretboard. You know, music is anything. Music can be made out of anything if you have the feeling. And so anyway, that's what I teach kids. I have a little workshop called Music in Our Pockets and you take out your keys or anything that's in there and you can make music out of anything. And I suppose it's me going against my classical upbringing when I was little you don't have to do it all properly and exactly if you have the feeling you can make music out of anything and I suppose that's what I learned on the road and that's I play many instruments that's why I'm a band in a body
0: wow that is a wonderful (laughs) explanation you know in the intro we talked about that you played spoons also
2: Yes. Well, you know, since I've been abandoned in the body, people keep saying, hey, we don't know how to do this. Here you have it. So I got some beautiful Cajun spoons and, you know, hand whittled. Yeah, I love the spoons. I mean, there's genius spoon players out there. I just I use these instruments as a vehicle for my songs. Someone gave me a, a New Orleans washboard. So I have a song with the washboard and I play harmonica and I have a scratcher. You know, I love it all. And I love the rhythm. You know, I'm very attracted to world beat grooves, which excite me no end. And it's very different from where I grew up, which was very on the beat in a little English village on the South Coast. Much more sort of regimented musically. And then when I went to Latin America, my hips started moving to the offbeat. And suddenly I found my joy.
0: (laughs) That is tremendous. That is an amazing story. So how was it with your parents who raised you and your, mm, shall we say, resistance toward classical music and your uh, affinity toward outside the box of classical music? How was that in your home?
2: Well, my dad played by ear when um, I was little. My mom always said she was tone deaf. And my mum, ha- they had me, it was like I grew up with my grandparents because my mom had me when she was 51. So my parents already had my brother and sister 20 years older than me. So basically they'd had their children and then the accident came along. So I got away with a lot of things because I was the baby. And they were like, by that time, and plus they were getting tired of, <laughs> So when I was a teenager, and they were like, she's going to do what she wants to do. Let her do what she wants to do. Now, wasn't I lucky? And I always respected my parents because they gave me freedom. They trusted me and I I did go and do wild things, but not too wild. So, you know, when I once said, I don't want to go to university, I'm going to join a band. They knew... My heart was speaking. So uh, they let me. And when I said, I'm going to hit the road and go and see the world and pick up all sorts of instruments, you know, and come out. So- and
0: come out. Mm-hmm.
2: I wouldn't say they let me. My dad died. And, you know, before I left when I was 23, but I sort of went off to seek my fortune and to seek myself to get away from my village. And even though I loved my village, I mean, I lived in London for a while, but I, you have to go off to find yourself often. And um, that's what I did. So I, But I would go back to my mum often. She lived till 96. So she was very supportive and excited about me doing my music. She prayed always for a child that would sing because she said she couldn't. So she was very pleased that I could do music. And she would come to my gigs. I've written songs about her.
0: I was just thinking, <laughs> have you written a song about your mom? A a song, but I
2: have a song about my mom and my dad, and you know. But my mom, my dad never heard because he he wasn't alive. But my mom was like, "Why would you want to say that about me, darling? Why would why would anyone write a song about me?" But of course, when I left England, I you know you see it from like a fly on the wall. It's like when I came to the. States, everything was new. I love that about traveling. Everything's new and I, there's, a, there's a song everywhere you look. It's like a photo. You want to capture it. You're so inspired. But then when I'd go back home, I'd see it with different eyes. So I'd see it and capture it. So I'd see my mom in that way and I'd see my auntie and see my funny village and all the characters that were around me that maybe I took for granted and didn't realize... What a funny place I come from,
1: you know. Wow, there's like so many questions I have for you, Zoe. I mean, from your 70 countries traveling to what you're just now talking about, about your village, about your coming out, you know, having to leave. And I'm just curious about more about that, the village life with your um, community. So you left when you were 23. Were you out then or are you?
2: Oh, I, were, I was actually playing in a lesbian bar in London, but I didn't realize I was a lesbian. Mm. <laughs> For some reason, I managed to get that job, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Playing piano in the corner. But, you know, I was always, music was my love. You know, I never had a boyfriend. I'm always like, you know, oh, she has her music, you know. And I did, but... You know, I I met um, a couple of lesbians from San Francisco who were traveling through when I was living in London. And I, you know, I wasn't attracted to them in one way, but I was certainly attracted to them in a different way. Like, oh, who are they? They are fabulous. I want to go and see where they live and where they come from. So I did. I traveled all across. It's a long story. I won't go. I, I went across South and Central America. And on my birthday, my 23rd birthday, I landed in San Francisco, and that's I, you know, I I touched foot on American soil and said I'm a lesbian, mm-hmm. and um, so I suppose, but I hadn't even thought too much about it. It just all happened inside. I just, you know, it was just me. Was little Zoe was growing up, and um, you know, this. So we all go through our. I mean, it what it. it you know, I, they actually went on to open the Bearded Lady Cafe in uh, the Mission in San Francisco. And I was exposed to a great counterculture. And I I grew up quite a lot in San Francisco too. So uh, it blew me away. And then we traveled across country in an old VW bus. We went to the Michigan Women's Festival, which also blew me away. We went to Northampton, where I kissed my first girl, and uh, you know, and now I live in Provincetown, which uh, to go back to your question about my village, I'm a village girl. So I come from the sea, and you know, my little village, all the old ladies in England, they have poodles. And then I'm now I live in Provincetown, and all the young gentlemen have poodles. So <laughs> I like it even better. And I know how to live in a small community and a village. And I keep my nose clean and, and, you know, I know how to, I love it here and um, I like a village life. I like community.
0: So speaking of Provincetown, it's known for LGBTQI population. Tell us a little bit about it for, I've never been there. Maybe draw a picture for people who are listening. And while you're drawing a picture, talk to us about how it is playing music there, being a musician in that, vibe. I'm assuming, a vibrant environment.
2: Well, it's a tourist town, you know, it's beautiful. It's 90% national seashore. So the nature is stunning. It was a fishing community, Portuguese. It became an artist colony. Um, It was one of the largest, I think it was the largest artist colony in the 1920s. And uh, so we have a rich history of so many artists um, living there. So with the art, that's how come it became more gay. People were open. There were all the hippies there in the 70s, and it became gayer and gayer and gayer. Now it is a gay party town. So it's full on. When I arrived in the 90s, it wasn't expensive like it is now. It's gentrified and expensive. Like Martha's Vineyard, like Nantucket, but it's gay. It's got so expensive. You know, sadly, a lot of the community can't stay here anymore because of the rents. It happens to a lot of small holiday towns. But, you know, I'm lucky. I got my foot in the door a long time ago. And um, Provincetown opened its arms to me. And as well as it being 90% um, national seashore, it's all, also probably 90% gay. I mean, it's so gay. <laughs> and... Um, you know, it's a beautiful place for me to grow up and feel very safe and be myself. And I got gigs. I w- I got one gig at Memorial Day. And next thing I knew, I got offered the whole summer and I had 13 shows a week. So when I first arrived, and I was like a little Duracell bunny playing and singing and writing and i would do a show called the lesbian lounge lizards late at night and i would do piano playing in restaurants earlier on and sunday i would do lunch as well and i'd save my money and go traveling the world in the winter because we live by the season here so all closed up in the winter it still does that's why i play in mexico in the winter then i saved my money and um I I still was full of the wanderlust. There were so many things to see. So that's what I did. And that was over 30 years ago now. Time flies. And I luckily got a very good rent from a lovely older lady who uh, gave me a little ramshackle place next to the pizza place with old oak beams that were from fishing boats and a very slanty floor and a leak over the bed but it didn't matter. And it was marvelous. For 25 years, I lived there. And the water got switched off in the winter. So we couldn't live there in the winter anyway. So uh, it was perfect for me.
0: Well, how did you get the Olivia Cruz thing in the wintertime in Puerto Vallarta? And tell us a little bit about that.
2: Well, you know, I would go traveling in the winter, um, and then come back penny less, and then have to get my jobs again and then i would you know as i became more successful i'd start getting tours all over the us and um uh yeah i would play music festivals and um as i put my cd's out i'd enter song competitions and i won a few and i won some songwriting competitions in the middle of the country, and then I tour that. So that gave, instead of just being so seasonal, I got more work. Um, And then, yeah, Olivia Cruises found me, and I've been working for them over 20 years. And with them, too, I've gone all over the world. I've been to Russia. I've been to Tahiti, Japan, um, all over Europe, Caribbean, Alaska. That was great, amazing, and I still do that. And then, I don't know if you know Puerto Vallarta, but it's kind of like Provincetown south of the border, really. it's all, The drag queens from Provincetown started performing in the winter in um, Puerto Vallarta, and they're like, Zoe, you should come down and play, you know. So uh, I, someone recommended me to this little club, and the guy ga- gave me a chance, and he liked me. And then I started to build my audience there. So I've done that for, like, It'll be my ninth season when I go in January to play. So that is just lovely for me. And I like to know where I'm going in the winter a bit. And then I always tag on traveling as well. That's another great community. Have you been?
0: Yeah, we've been a couple of times too. Long time ago though. Yeah, a long time ago (laughs) when we had energy.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm thinking about you and your energy. Wow. Well, and I
2: love it there because you know, it's not just tourists, it's all the gay Mexicans too. And um, we all work side by side. So I really like that. I've made tons of lovely friends and then they take me home to meet their families and their grandma. And I learn a lot. And musically, I've been playing with people from there. So it's stunning for me. I learn so much from them.
0: Yeah, I was just wondering about with all of your adventures, I was going to ask you, what lessons have you learned in life, Like life lessons? What can you impart on us?
2: Wow, goodness me. You learn a lot from traveling. You learn a lot from playing music. I always say you know a person when you play music with them. It's how giving they are, how how much they share, how they listen to you, how they give you space. And when I'm with my band or whoever, I'm. it's like an adventure on the stage. It's like, well, here we go. We're on it. It's like we are jumping a train. Come on, jump on board. I don't know when it's gonna stop, but let's all be, be we're in this together. So kind of playing music together. And it's like life. And you've got to take chances on stage. You've got to take chances creatively and musically. I mean, I love to open it up and have people up and just jam. I mean, that's music. You just jam and you don't know where it's going. It could all go terribly wrong or it could go right, but you've got to go for it. So I suppose I learn a lot like that. And also it's an international language. I'm terrible at Spanish, but I have, we've managed to have a conversation musically. So, I mean, I'm so lucky music has Helped me make lovely connections and build bridges, not walls.
1: Oh, beautiful. One of the questions we wanted to ask if you're a full-time musician, but it seemed like that's musician umbrella of something bigger because you're a storyteller. You've got that comedic side of you as well. (laughs) Do you do stand-up? I mean, (laughs) I know you teach kids. I mean, you've been doing a lot. So I'm just saying, yeah, tell us a little bit more about that piece
2: well I'm a storyteller really and I use all these things as my vehicles I mean I I love sometimes just to play music. like I just had Lucy Wainwright Roach and Katie Curtis they came and played with me for Women's Week in Provincetown and I sat back and just played the piano for them which is rare and I really enjoyed just doing the music and taking the back you know, place. And it was a whole nother side of me that for me, it was lovely. my girlfriend said, I don't don't usually see you do that. And it was really nice. And so I am a musician. But then, you know, I'm also like a vaudevillian, you know, you get up in front of the people and you you have to catch them. And I'm an entertainer. I live in Provincetown with all these drag queens. It's cabaret here. I have to have to keep up with them. So I'm probably the mellow one here, but when I go to a folk festival or something, I, I'm the like wild, outrageous, rambunctious one. You know, it just depends what what scene you're in. What uh, what was the what was your question?
1: I think you answered it, but now I'm on to something else because you're just wealth of knowledge and <laughs> like a
2: run forever.
1: I know, right? Yeah. So your songs, your ideas, I mean, you wrote about your mom, we witnessed one you sent to us.
0: What was that one? Um, um, Chinese duck the, for Christmas. Oh, Peking, Peking duck. And the rotary phone. I mean. Well, we're going to listen to rotary phone in our music break in a couple minutes. And Zoe's going to tell us about that in a minute. But yeah, I think what Diana's talking about is all your adventures. You you have this wonderful gift and opportunity to write about your adventures and put them out there, Right.
2: People, you know, I love so many things. People can never put me in a box to my detriment in a way because people never know what do they play me on the children's show, on the jazz show, the gay show, the funny show, the French show, the uh, world beat show, the you know, because I like so much. And it, you know, when I play in New York, I have a ton of theater people come and see me. I've written a couple of musicals too because. The stuff's visual. I, 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 sometimes people say I write like a photograph, you know, try and paint a picture in a song. So I'm all over the place, really.
1: <laughs> and you have time for vacation? I mean, it's like, do you sleep? Because your mind is always turning, you know, with information and ideas.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, to, I I remember kind of the question now that you asked. I mean, I have always lived off music. I mean, I've had a few other little jobs here and there. but really. I am a musician. That's what I am. When I'm 99, if I'm still alive, I'll still be doing it. I have to. So I live and breathe it. You know, people say, when did you first become a musician? I said, when I came out of the womb, because that's who I am. And I have to play music and I have to connect with people. and I have to tell stories and maybe spread some joy, which is very important to me. And the other thing, is if you want to play music or do anything artistic you have to know how to live small and I always try and tell people that because I I can live small and I've learned that from traveling you can I can live out of a suitcase for a very long time and I can make ends meet by playing harmonica on the subway or quickly get a gig here or sing for my supper or you have to not be a huge spender, then that's you. Then you can be like that forever.
0: Diana mentioned the song Rotary Phone, and we are going to play that for our music break. So why don't you tell us about the song, maybe a couple of the lyrics and how you came to write it, and then we're going to play it.
2: Well, because I my parents were much older when they had me, as I said before, and, you know, like I grew up with grandparents. So I was always surrounded by older people. And um, I'm a bit old-fashioned. I'm stubbornly old-fashioned in a way. I grew up without central heating. We had a stone floor in the kitchen. We had a little electric fire. These were not hardships. They were lovely. They taught me things. And um, I enjoyed when I left traveling. No one could find me. I went for a year. You know, that time I was looking for Zoe. And uh, I wrote these things called letters. Remember? And I uh, would go, when I was in Peru, I remember going to the post restaurant and the, in the post office, everyone had written me a letter in Peru. And I went and there was a whole box of letters to Zoe Lewis, because I told them I'd be there at a certain time. Those letters got dog-eared and I'd carry them around near my heart and enjoy them all if I ever felt lonely. But like an Aborigine goes on walkabout, they just go and they don't want to be found. That's what I was doing. So I love not to be found. So rotary phone, I never phoned. And when I moved to Provincetown, my, my poor mother, I mean, I never ever phoned for a whole year. I mean, that's very expensive. Nowadays, kids think that's crazy. They've got their phone in their pocket the whole time or in their hand, Not they can't even put it in their pocket. Lord forbid that would like remove, that would be too far to reach. Has to be in the hand. And um, so anyway, I'm a flip phone owner still. I'm stubbornly nostalgic and I like not to be reached. I like to run away and have an adventure and not be tethered to a phone. So rotary phone is, is my homage to that old piece of equipment that we'd like, you know, come back to at the end of the day and check your messages or, you know, take your time. All these modern technological things, are they really helping us or are they hindering us? So that song, people laugh at me about it, but actually more and more people are beginning to agree.
0: <laughs> mm. Well, everyone, we are going to be playing Rotary Phone written and sung. And by the way, all the harmonies, all the instruments are all you on the, on the track, correct?
2: Uh, a lot of the instruments are me, but I do have, you know, I, when I'm in the studio, I have a band mm. too. Ah. I, I'm not playing every single thing on that, no. But, you know, I'm re- actually in the middle of recording another album right now and I'm playing many of the instruments. When you get me live, you I'll even juggle plates in the show.
0: All right. Well, we're going to talk about that on the other side, but right now we are going to listen to Rotary Phone by you Zoe Lewis and enjoy everyone and we'll see you on the other side
3: rotary phone how I miss you when you were mine we took our time back in the day you had my number Waiting for me, till I got home A rotary phone My mom is in the kitchen, my dad is in the yard I can almost smell cut grass and cups of tea right now If I try hard And you're sitting on the table by the candlesticks Singing out your serenade Three, five, one, two, six Rotary phone How I miss you when you were mine We took our time back in the day You had my number eventually i'm standing on the corner so will you please stop texting me i know the plane has landed i know you'll probably be late i'll still be sitting reading poems by the gate my mum is in the kitchen my dad is in the yard i can almost smell cut and cups of tea right now if i try hard. Sitting on the table Right by the candlesticks Singing out your serenade Three, five, one, two, six Rotary phone How I miss you When you were mine We took our time Back in the day You had my number
0: Waiting for me are talking with Zoe Lewis. Hope you enjoyed that song, Rotary Phone. Oh,
1: it's so so much fun. Great song, really. Yeah,
0: (laughs) It's those things in our life that, gosh, we can just bring to other people's lives who don't even maybe have never even used a rotary phone before. And you just bring it so it's real. You know?
2: It, well, yeah, more and more people are not gonna know what on earth that is. In mm-hmm. fact, since I've been singing that song, people keep keep giving me old rotary phones. So I
0: might start a rotary phone museum soon.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: do you have when you perform it on stage, do you have one with you? Um I can't carry too much around, but I have yes, I have
2: in when I first wrote it, it would go sometimes you know talk to people down it
0: pretend. I remember uh, we had a black one hanging on a wall that we would you know in the
2: people get very nostalgic when
1: I (laughs) say you see shares on it right and i'm thinking about my yellow phone yeah <laughs> it wasn't on the wall but it was on the table but anyways yeah, yeah here we go
2: I have to stretch the, the receiver far away when you're talking to your
0: girlfriend or something yeah. <laughs> so when we left before the song you'd, you'd mentioned juggling plates while you're singing to yeah. say more about that
2: well i mean I am a band in a body, but I also am a juggler, and I lived next to jugglers when I first was in the states in well, this in Northampton. I had a little while there in Northampton, Massachusetts, and I, so I happened to live next to jugglers, who kind of taught me things, and that we would pass jugglers' clubs, and um, I even went to Hawaii where they have a vaudeville festival now, Belly Acres, I stayed. And so I think I traded songs for juggling lessons. So anyway, I got a few skills down and I found I could play the piano and juggle at the same time a bit. And then I started juggling plates. So, I mean, I love like the circus. So any funny thing I can do during a song. And I wrote this song, called um, Welcome to the Circus, which is a song for my friend who had twins. And I had to juggle plates for them to entertain them for a long time. So I can juggle four and play the piano. And I've also started sword swallowing too.
1: Come on.
2: Really? Yeah. I end up sounding like Louis Armstrong. Oh,
1: wow. I mean, (laughs) are you ready to go? She needs to go on Americans Got Talent. Yeah.
2: (laughs) I'm all about the magic and the illusion and the fun and the like the magic in life and I love I mean I grew up with the circus I grew up watching that and plus circus music's gypsy music circus music always when I would see that on the telly I'd be like what is this music it's amazing and now I understand it, but then it would be like, you know, Romanian gypsy music or great grooves and wonderful instruments and exciting. Really
1: spoke to me. Yeah. I have to ask you, are you using plastic plates?
0: Uh yeah, yes. I do have
1: <laughs> Oh, okay. I want to make yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you talked about Katati and we wanted to talk to you about Katati, because you are coming to Katati. December 3rd at Congregation near Shalom, and we can put the address and things in the, the website and the information regarding the show, and people can get that later. So tell us, how did a tour come about? Are you going around the country, and is Katati one of your stops? And how did Katati become one of your stops?
2: Well, I'm doing a little West Coast tour. Um, I have Oakland, Kotati, and Seattle. And I also have Arizona coming up, but that's a different time. But, you know, because I live on the tip of Cape Cod, when I go, I have to go and do a bunch. But Kotati is because of Erwin Keller, a wonderful Rebbe. And um, also, dear friend and marvelous original Winnie from the Kinsey Six. And I love that group. Um, They came to Provincetown and wowed the town. And me and Owen became friends. I mean, as soon as you How did that happen? Well, chat to Owen and you fall in love. And that's what happened with me. And when you get a gig in Provincetown, often you get the whole summer. So, and we're all playing in the same rooms and changing in the dressing rooms or flyering on the streets. And we're all, you know, all the perform like all the fishermen know each other, all the performers know each other, all the artists know each other. That's how it happened. Every time the Kinsey Six came, me and Erwin would hang out, and um, even his son, Squid, named after my uh, one of
0: my songs. I did not know that.
2: Yeah, and um, what an honor to know like such a lovely family and uh, anyway, uh, Erwin and I love so much. So any chance I can get to come out to uh, the West Coast, I would love to add a Kotati tour. Plus oh show, and plus when I played Ne Shalom last time I mean, I talked about village and I talked about community before. Well, there's a village and there's a community that is just stunning and just right on in all the best ways. In this crazy world, it just gives you so much hope when you find pockets that are full of love like that. And it's no accident when Erwin is a rebe. So anyway, I was most, most impressed
0: with Nair Shalom. So I really wanted to come back. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Any chance that you and Erwin are going to do a duet or sing together on stage at your concert?
2: Um I shouldn't promise anything, but I'm going to write myself a note because, um, yes, I should think we could arrange something.
0: Oh, I think that'd be terrific. You know, people love Erwin so much, and they love to hear him sing outside of the liturgy. Maybe he could juggle a plate. Maybe. (laughs) Just toss one over to him, yeah. Uh, Or swallow (laughs) a sword. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> well, I know people at Congregation Ner Shalom and beyond will be very, very excited to hear this interview and welcome you with even warmer arms. Now that they'll get to know you a little bit more deeply before you even arrive to perform. Yeah. What Do you know what time the concert starts? Yeah, it's um, 7 p.m. and I will be there with Kate Wolf, who's an
2: old friend that Erwin knows um, who lives in Seattle and she's coming down. Ah, twin sister is Julie Wolf. Both great musicians, and um, yeah, she'll be playing with me on the bass and doing harmonies. We've been playing with each other for years. This is her first time in Nashville, and you just had Holly near
1: there, didn't you? I know it was wonderful, wonderful show.
2: I've stuff with Holly, and she's great. So, and
1: she mm-hmm. talked you up too. Oh, yeah, that. definitely love her. So, yeah. you're going to be coming to Katari. And you have all these instruments and all, I mean, how do you choose? What are you gonna bring for this tour? I mean, how do you do that?
2: (laughs) Depends on what they allow on the airplane. (laughs) No, but you know, I have my bag of tricks that I travel with. I'll be playing piano, guitar, ukulele for sure. I'll probably bring my washboard. I'll bring some of the smaller stuff. I'll bring the plates. I mean, my music, my songs kind of take you on a journey around the world. Maybe take you through my childhood in England a little bit. Story-wise and musically, about loves and losses, life and death. I try and make you laugh and make you cry. And you with a bit of hope. If I can do
0: that, that's my lot in life. Laugh, cry and hope. Yeah. And love. I mean, the emotions of laughter and sorrow are really important in in a performance, I believe, to take us to the highs and the lows, but to leave somebody with hope, especially now with what's going on in the world, I think is really needed. You know, it's very much needed. So hats off to you, Zoe.
2: I mean, that's my aim. I mean you can't stop you have to carry on living and my friend did some work with refugee camps and i would love to go and do this they're full of kids that need entertaining they need clowns you know you've got to make those kids laugh for a minute because they've been crying all day if you can bring a smile to their face it's not that you're blinkered and you don't know what's going on but if you can make a child smile for a moment that's huge achievement you still need to it helps you it helps helps me it helps them you know it's like in covid even you know we 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 had virtual shows we had a very funny show we did through our window no one could come in the house but i made people come and perform through the window and stay in the garden and We had half of Provincetown performing in the garden through the window. And we actually went viral. Zoe Lewis and the social distances. We had this Wow. We had drag (laughs) queens, all sorts, trombones, kazoos, you know, ballerinas. But we kept on going. And people, I could feel them through the computer. I could feel them. They, They helped me keep on going and I helped them keep on going. So we need each other. We need each other back to community again. That's why I'm so happy to come and play in Nershalom.
1: Yeah, your creativity is off the charts, I must say, Zoe. And I think this interview is really important right now as you will be coming to Katati, <laughs> Nir Shalom. You know what I mean? Because then they get to feel you and to hear you and to... And I really got a sense of you better this time than 2017. Maybe I'm more mature or what, but I don't know. But anyways, I can feel your heart and how you love people and uh, the simple parts of life, you know, so I really appreciate that. Thank you, yeah. We need to talk about the albums. You say you're gonna be in the studio tomorrow doing albums and your six, seven, how many, you say, albums? Um, actually, this will be number, Eleven. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> but what
2: else do I? I mean, I gotta keep you know write songs, so I have to catch them. You know, I, I'm I'm old school, so I still make an album. Whether people will buy them is another thing, but I have to catch the songs, and I'm really proud of these recordings. And I put them on Spotify, and you know they'll be all over. People still buy CDs, but not like they used to. I still like to make a whole album with 10 songs or whatever with an arc, something I love to do. And that once you've, I suppose it's like having a baby. When you write a song, you put it out there, kind of grows up or whatever and goes off on its own. And it it has a different life. You know, I have kids who suddenly grow up and they're like, oh, do that song. That was a really important song. I'm like, oh, I can't remember it now. Or... But you don't know who it affects. You don't know who's heard of it, you know. And it's lovely. And now I'm getting older, it's coming back. It's like I wrote a song about sheep many years ago when I worked on a sheep farm in Australia. And Putamaya Records, they put out that song on a compilation. So it went all over the world, that song about sheep. Who knew? Anyway, fast forward. I've just finished writing music for Storybots on Netflix because the kids of the um, guy that writes the um, cartoon, you know, he's big in Netflix now. I'm on rotation in their house. They listen to me all the time. Or because I wrote a song about sheep and they heard it and then they Googled me and, you know. So then they, they found Zoe Lewis. So then I get a job writing for Netflix you don't know when I wrote that song about sheep all those
0: years ago you don't know that that's what it's gonna do for you, you know. so the guy who's the father of these kids they found this song about sheep and they loved you so much that he wrote you and said do you want to write for my show yes wow yeah you just never know do you
2: Never know.
0: You just put it out there. You just be yourself. You just are who you are. And I didn't
2: know that. I thought, how if someone's told him about me or what, how do I do it? And I was very, I was sheepish, actually, about asking. And I was like, and how did you know? And I was so nervous to meet him. And then he was nervous to meet me because he was
0: a fan. So who knew? I mean, you never know. Here's a little snippet of the sheep song. Well, they're a borderless, just fat, fluffy,
3: shetland round, puffy, dorset horns, ruminating, South-down Romney's tail shaking, lincoln will shy, sweet, hop, skip, jump, and a leap, oh, everywhere
0: I look, everyone I meet. So- How delightful. I can tell those kids really love that song. So you have a story about your mom and finding out that your... Jewish. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: I mean, (laughs) ancestry.com. The more I go on, the more Jewish I am. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't grow up Jewish. I have a whole ton of family in Israel, in Jerusalem. My cousin, my my auntie was Charles de Gaulle's secretary in the Second World War. And um, she met my uncle Danny, a Hungarian Jew. They fell in love. And they went to Israel, and she converted. But then it turns out she was, she didn't convert, she was Jewish. And that's my mom's sister. So then we started looking at the family tree that my brother did. And, you know, there's a lot of people called Saul and Emmanuel. And, you know, it all started looking like there was quite a lot of Jewish on my mother's side of the family, and my girlfriend's Jewish. So when we did the Ancestry.com and I came up like 33% Jewish, I was very pleased, and I told her mother immediately. It uh, doesn't matter that I'm I'm gay. I thought, you know, It's like, hooray, you're Jewish, Yeah. And the more we find out, yeah, because, um, so yeah, my mum, I, I don't think she knew, or it was, you know, it was um, hidden or kept quiet during that time and then, but it was on my mother's line. So I am very excited. (laughs) My few girlfriends that I've had in my life do tend to be Jewish. So it's interesting that I am always drawn to Jews. And um, we would do Christmas in England. And then when my mom died, I had my first Christmas in New York City with my girlfriend in a Chinese restaurant and we had Peking duck and it was fabulous. And then we went for a movie, and I realized that a New York Christmas was very different. And that's when I wrote my song "Peeking Duck for Christmas."
0: And uh, we people can find that online on YouTube. Do you have a website and do you have a YouTube channel? And how do people find your music? You can go to Zoe Lewis z
2: z o e l e w i s dot com, and you can find everything. Really, you can find videos. You can link to Spotify or YouTube or um, Apple Music. I don't know all the things that, yeah, my music's out there. So, yeah, I do have a YouTube. I have a couple of YouTube channels. I don't know. I'm not, I have a phone, don't I? So I'm not very good at all that stuff. But put Zoe Lewis and you'll find me. You might find a poodle called Zoe Lewis too. Uh, I'm the original one. (laughs)
1: So, Zoe, you talked about a few Jewish women that you've been involved with. Let's talk about this last one. So <laughs> tell us <laughs> tell us about your, your love here.
2: We've been together 18, going to be 18 years. And uh, yeah, she's wonderful. We live in Provincetown together. She's from New York, but I lured her here. Um, she comes to Mexico with me in the winter and we travel. And she's
1: fabulous. Is Hmm. she a musician as well?
2: She was in a punk band, but she performs with me. I have a 1920s show, and she's the cigarette girl in the 1920s show. And then that's called (laughs) Zoe Lewis and the Bootleggers. And we do, I suppose I love all the old tunes um, because, you know, I grew up with older people and they're glorious. Plus, in the 1920s, it was gay, gay, gay. And there's lots of references to that. Um, So I have a prohibition era jazz band in Provincetown and we take you back to the gay twenties. And I have all the locals singing with me. So maybe at a show I'll have like 15 or 20 different crooners and they will be anyone from the mailman to the lady in the bank to Leah Delaria to, you know, famous people and, we'll put a show on and there'll be flapper girls and she's the gorgeous cigarette girl. She plays coconuts and dances and um, yeah. Drag Queens, all sorts. It's great. It's a
0: fun summer show. We do. Wow. 18 years, huh? What's your secret? Do you think?
2: (laughs) You have to just find your true love and then it's all right. Uh There
0: you go.
1: Yeah
2: maybe you have a few few um, experiments beforehand and you learn how best to have a relationship
1: excellent wow this has been really wonderful yeah
0: so we're nearing the end of our interview with you zoe but we look very forward to seeing you december 3rd very forward to meeting you in person and attending your concert but
2: meet you i feel like i know you now yeah
0: Yeah, same here um so before we leave do you have any words of wisdom for our listeners we've talked a lot about your life and your music and your travels and your adventures what What can you impart on us?
2: Well, there's someone I haven't talked about who is a very amazing lady that I met. Her name was Alona Royce Smithkin. She's an artist, um, in Provincetown. She made it to 101 years old. Um, she escaped Nazi Germany. She, uh, went to New York. She wanted to do art. Her father wouldn't let her do art. And, uh, She made hats, she was a milliner for a while. And then uh, she uh, gradually started painting, didn't she? And she ended up being a portrait painter and she did do art. She painted Tennessee Williams and ran Eugene O'Neill, the Kennedy children. She made it to Provincetown and she blossomed and bloomed even more. And she would cut her hair and stick it on her eyelashes. And she had very long, magical eyelashes. (laughs) And she would sing with me. We would do a show called The Eyelash Cabaret. And she was my dear friend, and she would fill me with so many things. Like, you know, I'm hyper. She'd always say, slow down, darling. You can't dance at two weddings with only one derriere. But the most important thing she always says, and this is what I try and take her words and use them in my show because she had a hard life but she still you know looked she sprinkled joy dust on us all and she would look at me with her long lashes and say darling don't ever let anybody tell you how not to be be yourself so the most important Mm -hmm. thing is that's why I left to travel and find me you've got to be yourself be yourself don't Try and be cool, don't try and be someone you're not. Don't let society mold you. Try and just be yourself because you're fabulous then. Mm.
3: Wow,
1: you're fabulous. Thank you. (laughs) And you're fabulous. You are now you are.
0: (laughs) Now you are. (laughs) Oh my gosh,
1: this is beautiful. What a story.
0: Mm, What a life. Thank you so much for meeting with us today. And We just want to say goodbye to you and goodbye to our listeners. And we want everyone to remember that just like Zoe, you too can be living proof that being visible, being vibrant, and sharing your creativity, you can make this world a better world. This is Diana and Sheridan, and we will be back next month. Until then,
1: good night.
0: night. I step out of the
1: My soul ascending. I'm on my way. Can't stop
3: me now. Then you can.
4: Support for Outbeat Radio on KRCBFM comes from listeners and from Rocky, the free range chicken, and Rosie, the original organic chicken. Air chilled, non GMO, locally raised right here in Sonoma County with no antibiotics ever. More information is available at RockyandRosie.com. You're listening to 104.9 KRCBFM Roner Park and KRCGFM Windsor, Sonoma County's NPR station. It's 9 p.m. Stay with us. Beale Street Caravan is next.